Mission Jesus. Jesuit Father John Edwards on Mission talks about confession, the sacrament of penance and reconciliation. I'm going to talk about forgiveness of sin. Forgiveness of sin means this, that when God the Father looks at your life and my life, instead of seeing all the bad things you and I have done, which is a pretty frightening thought, what God sees is that our Lord, Jesus Christ, his Son, has intervened again and again and again at very great cost with undeserved love to cover with his precious blood every single bad moment of the past. That would mean that when sin is forgiven, we would have been judged by God and acquitted. Not guilty. Case dismissed. Now that's a verdict God would never go back on. When sin is forgiven, from that moment back to the beginning of one's life, there is nothing that God will hold, can hold against one. The whole of one's life is now a complete success story in God's sight. No credit to you and me. The credit is to Jesus Christ, who has done such a powerful and loving and splendid action at every moment of our need. Implications of this are many. One is this that when God says you are innocent, you are. And you and I are never entitled again, ever, under pain of sin, to look back at the past except with the sweetest sorrow and with immense gratitude to God. You and I are not allowed, once our sins have been forgiven, to look back in agony or remorse about the past. Oh God, how could I ever have done that? Why did I say that to this person whom I love? How could I ever have done something so mean or so evil? We're not allowed. Only with sweetest sorrow and gratitude. Because God no longer sees that evil thing. What he sees is his son's most beautiful and loving work. Another implication is this. When God says you're innocent, everyone who is with God sees things the same way. And everyone who is with God thinks your life is a complete success story. Now, would there be one of us in this church who's lost someone very dear to us, who doesn't think and say, oh, if only in his last illness I'd been more patient. If only I hadn't said that angry word. If only I had said this. But he died, and I never did. And now, there's a sort of barrier between us. Not so. If that dead person is with God, that person sees the thing as God sees. And that person has forgiven. And that person can see only beauty in your life. To make it as clear as I can, I'll use this example. A woman who has had an abortion. She's sorry. She comes back to God. God forgives. Everyone who is with God also forgives. Her little baby forgives. And when the two meet in the sight of God, 
it will be matter for laughter and for praising God. Now that's a measure and an indication of the power and the beauty of God's forgiveness. The mathematics of it is like this. You and I, with all the sins we've ever committed, and with the grace of repentance, and with the reception of forgiveness, it means that our lives have given God greater glory than they would have if there had been no sins at all. Now, this is very good news for anyone who reckons they are a sinner. Now, it may surprise you to know that some people don't think they're sinners. How anyone could be in any proximity to God and not realize their own sinfulness, I don't know. But some people have this idea that God's laid down a lot of rules, arbitrary ones it seems, like you've got to say your morning and night prayers, you've got to go to Mass on Sunday, you mustn't do anything wrong connected with sex, and a few rules like that. And if you keep those rules, God can't touch you. Complete mistake. It's not that sort of hurdle race. The holy life is not one where there is absence of sin. God's command is, love the Lord your God with your whole mind, whole heart, whole soul. Now, if you or I can do that for five minutes on end, we're doing pretty well. And to make it worse, he says, oh, and love your neighbor as yourself. Be as concerned for the other person, as interested in the other person. Have the other person's good at heart as much as you have your own. Now, failure to do those things is sin. You and I are sinners. And the closer we come to God, presumably, the more our sinfulness will show up. I don't think you and I are ever going to feel any holier. I think, please God, we are going to be holier, but because we're coming closer to God, the mess will show up the more. The person who says, well, I'm 75 now, and I don't go out much, so I don't really commit any sins. That person seems to me is insensitive to God. Anyway, you or I, we know that we're sinners. We want forgiveness, so what do we do? We do, of course, what everyone who ever lived and has believed in God, or God's, has done. We turn to God and we ask for his mercy. We ask for his help. We tell him that we're going to try not to do the thing again. We ask for his forgiveness. That's obvious. But we Christians are in a different position because we know that God became man and actually walked around on this earth. And if you or I had been in Palestine and we had some big need, like we were blind or we were paralyzed or we were lepers, or perhaps, like Martha and Mary, somebody very close to us had died, or we were sinners, we wouldn't just have told God privately in our hearts that we were sorry. If Jesus Christ had been walking around outside, we would have got up, gone up to him, met him face to face, knelt down in front of him, clasped his hand, caught hold of him, and told him to his face, and you'll see in the Gospels that every single person who did that with even a little bit of love 
even a little bit of faith, got what they asked for. Didn't the others, the ones who were back at home, who didn't go up to Jesus Christ, were those lepers cured, those blind men cured, those paralyzed people, did they walk again, those sinners, did they get their sins forgiven? I don't know. I have no idea at all. But I know with absolute certainty that those who were touched by Christ, with even a little bit of faith, even a little bit of love in their hearts, that they got what they asked for. But, you might say, those days are past. Our Lord is not around now like that. Oh, I know he's in the tabernacle, but you can't grasp hold of him like you could have in Palestine. Would that you could, but you can't. Yes, you can. The church is the body of Christ, St. Paul says. And our Lord says, I'm the vine, you are the branches. There is a way of so making contact with the church, Christ's body, that you are actually in living and direct contact with Jesus Christ. And he is bound to respond. In the same way you could say he is bound to respond when the leper was at his feet, when the blind man had grasped hold of his arm, when the woman who was a sinner was at his feet in the supper room of Simon the Pharisee. Now, how does Christ work directly like that through his body, the church? In the sacraments. That's how he works. There are seven privileged occasions when Christ operates directly and with infallible effect. And there is one designed for the forgiveness of sin. It's confession. That way, you're not just kneeling in front of the priest, you are grasping hold of Christ himself. And given sufficient love, faith in your heart, he is bound to respond. Now, if I have said this properly, and if you've heard it, I have answered, please God, forever, the difficulty that many people in this church will have, and which will certainly have kept some of them away from confession. It's this. Why should I tell my sins to the priest? Why can't I go directly to God? And you see the answer. You cannot go more directly to God than by grasping hold of the body of Jesus Christ. The mechanism of it is this, probably, almost certainly. When you and I are sorry for our sins, the sorrow may be selfish sorrow. I mean, I'm sorry because I'm frightened. I'm sorry because I'm feeling dirty. I'm sorry because I'm ashamed. I'm sorry because I have let myself down. Now, that's self-regarding sorrow. The sorrow that would come from love may not be in us. Sorry because my sins struck Christ on the face. My sins crucified Christ. My sins have insulted Almighty God. Now that sorry may not be there. And just saying a formula of words won't get it because it's a change of the will, the intention. Now, we can't do that for ourselves. That's going to be a gift of God. But what happens is this. If you and I, with perhaps this insufficient sorrow for our sin, can bring ourselves to grasp hold of our Lord in the sacrament, 
he being who he is will put into us that perfect sorrow which brings with it the forgiveness of sin to put it very crudely and boldly and actually inaccurately I suppose but approximately you could say that the sacrament of confession was a way of turning insufficient sorrow into perfect sorrow perfect contrition well I've told you what forgiveness of sin is told you the obvious way to get it told you how the sacrament works and the mechanism of it now the difficulties about confession let me remind you of one and again many people in this church will have this difficulty I've got it myself some people in this church will in fact be deterred from confession because of it it's this no point in my going to confession because I'm always confessing the same things I trot out this little routine shopping list to the priest well I mean it's not just that it's very boring for father to listen to must be but it's always the same sins and surely the sacrament isn't helping me if it's like that now the answer to that is so obvious you and I hardly hope for new sins to tell the priest next time we go to confession I mean we're not likely to commit new sins really nobody here I take it is likely to rob a bank in the next week or mug an old lady or betray state secrets to the country's enemies or something I mean maybe there's a possibility of that but it's not your style of sin your style of sin goes with your particular form of selfishness so does mine now given our personality and given that we're in the same circumstances of course our sins are bound to be a routine shopping list it doesn't mean to say that we're not sorry it just means to say that we are the same people and we are in the same circumstances now the sins may be quite small like little pimples on the face of the soul and a pimple is a very little thing but a pimple is there because of a poison in the blood and that poison under other conditions could be lethal you and I have it in our power to crucify Christ today and to damn ourselves today thank God it's not working out like that but those little pimples are symptoms of something never be ashamed of a little routine shopping list I don't say that you and I couldn't examine our consciences better of course we could but don't stay away because of a shopping list now here's another difficulty and this again might well be keeping younger people away from confession as well as older ones it's basically fear a younger person at junior school they learn how to go to confession know the act of contrition know the drill but when they get to senior school it's not so easy and they don't go so much and after a while they begin to forget how to do it and it begins to get the whole process is more embarrassing so they're scared to go or somebody's been away a long time committed all the sins in the book forgotten how to go to confession scared to go and through fear there's no other word for it people stay away embarrassment 
Now, nobody enjoys going to confession. I mean, it's lovely when you come out, but it's, nobody enjoys saying things they're ashamed of to somebody else. But, for some people, that embarrassment stops them coming. Now, I think that's heartless. Heartless to our Lord. He is longing to have the joy of forgiving sins. He thought to forgive one venial sin that Calvary was worth that. It's heartless to stay away. Now what would the priest think? After all, you could make a perfect confession just by going into the priest and saying, Father, would you help me make my confession? What would the priest think if you did that? He'd think, oh great, he might even say, certainly delighted to help. And he would be. And what he would do, he'd ask a series of questions, would take about three minutes. And all you would have to say are yes or no or I'm not sure. The first question might well be, tell me, how long since your last confession? You might say, 40 years, Father. And the priest would, well, if he didn't say it, he would think it, unless he was a complete fool. He would say, man, well done for coming. He would be in admiration at the person who had the courage to say that. And he would have the privilege of knowing that within three minutes he would be used by God to bring Christ's forgiveness. And that person would walk out spotless in God's sight. You might say, could it really be as easy as that? Isn't this cheapening the passion of our Lord? No. Our Lord died to make forgiveness easy. But I'll tell you this, it is still too difficult for some people. And it is fear that keeps them away. Now, there's another difficulty, and this is a more serious one. A Catholic who says, I see all that, but I am not sorry for my sins. I intend to go on doing this. It's not just that I foresee I will commit the same sins again. I suppose I accept that because I'm the same person, I'm in the same circumstances, I've got the same weaknesses. Those things I might deplore, although I'm going to do them, I suppose. But I intend to do this thing. In a way I'm sorry, but I can't do anything else. What is quite certain is I am going to sin this way again and I have no firm purpose of amendment so I can't go to confession. Now I'd say, don't judge yourself. Let the priest judge. Go in, tell him the way it is. Let him decide whether you have sufficient sorrow. You see, in the Western world, and perhaps one might say almost particularly so in England, in Great Britain, there are very, very heavy pressures on people. It's never been more difficult than today to be a Christian, not in persecution times. You must have noticed how many of our youngsters persevere in the faith. More difficult now than it ever was in penal times in this country. The pressures are very, very heavy, particularly on families. Now, when pressures are very, very heavy, freedom is diminished. Where freedom is diminished, guilt is diminished. The sorrow, which might seem the regret that you have in your heart for having to live this way, which might seem pretty small for you since you intend to go on living this way, that may well be enough to entitle you to absolution.
There's one more extreme case. And statistically speaking, there's almost sure to be somebody in this church now going through this mental process. Okay, I listen to the man. I hear him. What he says is true. And it's great. I'm very glad for those people who can go to confession. But I can't. Because there's any regular marriage situation, or there was in my life, or there's been a divorce or something, and uh, nothing can put this right. So I can't go to confession. Now I, my advice would be, come in. Tell the priest. Tell him, Father, I'm not asking for absolution because there was a divorce or I am in any regular marriage situation. But would you give me your blessing? Now I feel very strongly about this one because I've given about 60 missions in my time and in every single occasion, except I think three, two or three, where I've said this, somebody's come in, said this to me, it has transpired for one reason or another that the obstacle they thought was there was not there or could be very easily resolved. I'm not saying that in every single case, no, I'm just saying that in every single parish bar three there's always been one which would never have come to light unless the person had talked about it with the priest for two or three minutes. Well, I've talked about the difficulties about confession, tried to show you that every single one is a false one, is a smokescreen put up by the spirit of darkness. I've reminded you how the sacrament works and told you about the forgiveness of sin. It's been pretty rushed, because even now I'm keeping you too long. Any non-Catholics here who find this completely puzzling, all I can say is, do ask your Catholic friend to explain the small print to you. May I say, incidentally, that the idea that confession is a license to commit the same sin again, no Catholic that I know has ever thought of it this way. You've got to be sorry. You've got to want to live the way Christ says. It doesn't work automatically. It's a love thing. Well, the good news so far, now the bad news. How often should I go to confession? Well, you and I know the church's rule, and the church's law is pretty minimal. The church's law is this. Look, if you've got serious sin on your soul, mortal sin, and you can't bring yourself to repent of it, and bring yourself to the sacrament, once a year, round about Easter time, 40 days before or after, man, you've committed another thumping great sin. That's what the obligation is. You've got to go to confession at Easter or thereabouts if you have committed a serious sin. Well, that's the law. Pretty minimal one. What's the best advice? Well, to whom do you look for advice? I look to the teaching authority, the church, and at its center, the popes. Now, Pius XII, John XXIII, Paul VI, John Paul II are all speaking on these lines. This Pope, every time he opens his mouth about confession, and he does it frequently, he's always quoting these words of Pius XII, which he said in 1943. It is not without the inspiration of the Holy Spirit that the practice of frequent confession was introduced into the Church. The Pope say, 
that God encourages, wants, would reward frequent confession. Now, how frequent is frequent? Well, those of us who can remember back to 1943, your ordinary, average, Sunday Mass Catholic committing no serious sins would go to confession monthly. Monthly confession is the best advice going. It's not a sin if you don't, but it is the best advice. Not just for this complete forgiveness of sin, which is beautiful enough, but if one wants cure of one's spiritual weaknesses, could there be a better way of praying? There are you, there's the priest, Christ is between you, you're at the centre of a sacrament, at the heart of the church, with your arms around Jesus Christ. You blame yourself for these things. Is there any more powerful way of asking for the freedom that you want? If you and I want cure, that's the way to get it. There are other reasons too which really there isn't time to tell you about. God bless you for being here this morning at Mass. God reward you for it. Majesty, land and sea have not stopped.